even after they were able to bring in another CEO or someone else to come in and take over the business, it never really recovered. As a matter of fact, one of the statistics that you gave in the studies found that the negative effect on sales when the entrepreneur dies is a 60% reduction in sales. And not only is it, a, it's not just an, a, a short reduction, it is a persistent reduction. That seems significant to me as an entrepreneur myself. What did you guys think when you uncovered that? Yeah, we obviously, uh, we, we tortured the data to see whether that's really right or whether we somehow miscalculated stuff, but that's simply what it is. So um, all that suggests that founders are really a key uh, to the firm's DNA and they are not easily replaceable at least when uh, they are taken out of business uh, at a sudden, uh, out of surprise. Yeah. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome back to a very special edition of The Root of All Success. I'm the real Jason Duncan. Today's guest is not an entrepreneur. He's not a celebrity. He's not an athlete. He's not a musician. He's not an artist. He's an economist and he's a professor, and he's a researcher, and you're probably going, well, why are we, why is he on the show? That's not what you do, Jason. That's not how, who you talk to. Well, you're going to see really quickly why I decided to invite this guy on my show. As a matter of fact, when I reached out to him, uh, he, he got back to me and said, well, I've listened to your show, and you never have educators on your show. Why would you want me on the show? And I, and I had to explain, but let me, let me tell you a little bit about that in a moment. But first of all, before I get in there, I want to say, Thank you for tuning in. I'm recording this from my home studio here in Gallatin, Tennessee, just north of Nashville. And our guest is hailing all the way from Melbourne, Australia. And uh, he's in, at his home there. And, and uh, we we had I'm recording this intro after we've recorded the episode. And there were we were having significant technical difficulties during the recording. And I uh, if anything, if anything's not 100 percent crystal clear, please accept my apologies. But for those of you that listen via uh, your podcast player, thank you for doing so. Please go leave us a review. Give us a give us a five star if you think we deserve it. And make sure you subscribe so that you're notified each time I put out a new episode, which I release every week. I think Tuesday morning is when we release them. But thank you for tuning in. And if you're watching on YouTube, Hey there, uh, glad to see you. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, I'm glad that you subscribe to this channel. It's the youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan if you want to go check it out. So let me, let me get back to why I invited Sasha, Dr. Sasha Becker onto the show today. So just a uh, uh, not too long ago, uh, one of my business coaches and I were talking about 
the concept of exit without exiting and what the appeal was and why people would want to do it. And we, we stumbled across a study called Entrepreneur Death and Startup Performance. And the study was written by, uh, led by Dr. Sasha Becker and then also uh, Hans Vide. And I, I don't know if I'm saying that name right. I think I, I, think I mispronounced it in the show. Uh, but but I, they did a study and we're going to talk all about that study about what happens after startups two startups after the founder's death, whether it was planned or unplanned. And, and when we read that study, when I read that study, I was, uh, I was firmly convinced that I needed to have this guy who did the study on the show to talk about what that means to entrepreneurs who are building companies today. So without any further ado, let me introduce to you, kind of give you some background on Dr. Sasha Becker. He is the Chow Kai Yang Chair of Business and Economics at Monash University in Melbourne. He's the part-time professor at the University of Warwick, England. England. Uh, he has previously held positions at Lud Ludwig Maximilians University in Munich and at the University of Stirling in Scotland. So he is no slouch whatsoever. He studied economics at the University of Bonn in Germany and at a very long named uh, university in France that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> so my apologies to the ENSAE in Paris and to Dr. Becker for not being able to say all those French words. He obtained his PhD in, uh, at the European University Institute in Florence in 2001. In the spring of 2000, he was a visiting scholar at the Center for Labor Economics at the University of California in Berkeley. And in 2006, he spent seven months at the University of California in San Diego. In 2014, 15, and 18, he was a visiting professor at UCLA Anderson School of Management. And his research has appeared in many international journals, including the Review of Finance, the Quarterly Journal of Economics, and the American Economic Review. And I want you to help me welcome a little bit different outside the box guest today, but I think we'll play into exactly what we talk about a lot about how to get to success and make sure that your company thrives, even in your absence, because I'm the exit guy, the exit lifestyle, exit without exiting. Help me welcome Dr. Sasha Becker to the show. Well, Sasha, thank you for being here on this show. This is going to be an interesting one, and I'm, I'm really, I've, I've probably been looking forward to this show more than most, only because you're such an out-of-the-box guest for the show. You're not the typical, you're not an entrepreneur, you're not the typical person on the show, but there's a very specific reason, as I indicated in the uh, intro, why you're here. But thank you. Thank you so much for doing the show with me today. Hi, Jason. Good to be here. It, well, where so where in the world are you? Tell everybody's going to recognize pretty quickly that your accent means you don't live in <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee. So where are you? <laughs> I'm uh, based in Melbourne, Australia, and it's now Saturday morning my side, while it's uh, Friday afternoon your side. All right, so Melbourne, Australia. So how are things there now? How's that going? Good. Omicron is more or less over. We are in the middle of summer, and. It's good to be here. Yeah. Uh, good. Well, so let's start off with um, with your background. So tell tell everybody a little bit about your background, because as I said, you know, you're not the typical guest. You're not an entrepreneur, but you've got a very unique uh, background based in education and research. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background. So I'm an economist by training and I studied uh, in Germany and in France and then did my doctorate in, in Italy. So I've been in a few European countries. I also stayed a few times in the US. 
And in terms of uh, research interests I have, I do a lot of economic history, but also I work on labor markets. I look into things like labor market discrimination. Why is it that some people get a job uh, interview and others don't? Um, and then I work on entrepreneurship, and that's, I guess, why I'm here for today. So you did a study, uh, and this is really going to be the main part of what we're going to talk about today, is that you did a study called Entrepreneur Death and Startup Performance, and you you did that with a, a with someone else, Hans Havide. Am I saying the, the last name correctly? Vida. 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 Okay, so I, American mispronouncing a name. <laughs> so you did this study, uh, and you you looked at seventy five thousand start our firms in the country of Norway. And you saw that there were 1500 uh, founder deaths across those 75,000 firms over a 15 year period. And you studied that. And, and I want to, I want to set the stage for why I want to ask you some of these questions. And I told you, you know, pre-show and we're getting ready. The reason I reached out to you originally is that with one of my business coaches, we were talking about what I do as a business coach and a public speaker is I, I train entrepreneurs on how to exit the daily operations of their business so that their business continues to thrive and they continue to thrive. They can go on and do other things. Well, with my business coach and I, one day, this has been months ago, we were, we were just on our, on our normal coaching call and uh, we were just Googling the concept and your study popped up and we both were peeking at it and we were, it was intriguing because it was a study about how, what, what happens to firms, what happens to companies when the founder unexpectedly goes away or even expectedly goes away. So if there's a, a, a diagnosis of cancer, for example, and, and it's terminal and there may be a, a period of time where the founder slowly fades away from the business and eventually passes away, what happens to those firms? And while I'm not necessarily coaching entrepreneurs on not to die, because <laughs> I can't do that, but I am coaching them on how to prepare for that inevitable exit, whether it be uh, through death or, or some other means. So that's why we're talking about this. And you did this study uh, with, with your partner on what happened. Why, wh what originated that? Why did that even cross your mind to study that as an economist? So the background there is that in economics, there's uh, a long discussion over many decades now about what even is a firm. Um, so if you go back hundreds of years, um, typically whatever people were working in agriculture and um, your business was your farm and you worked for yourself and maybe you sold some stuff on the market, but that was it. And the whole concept of what is a firm, a firm as a legal entity, a limited liability company or whatever it might be, all of that is developments from far later. Yeah? And once you define what a firm is or start thinking about what is a firm, you ask yourself, well, can it be thought of as being something different from the founder himself or herself? Or are they like conjoined twins? And at what point does the firm get a life of its own? And for how long is it, so to say, married and uh, inter interwoven with um, the founder herself or himself? And so we thought, how can we get at that topic? Because, um, well, some founders choose to stay in the firm for long, some don't. And it's hard to tell um, what is the founder effect and what is the firm as a separate entity. 
it's a bit like mother and baby in the first few months of the life the baby and the mom can't do without each other but maybe at some point the baby lives a life of its own anyway so we then uh, my co-author Hans Wieder being from Norway in Norway they have amazing data at the statistical office that they share with researchers under certain conditions so we were able to get access to the life of all startups in Norway 75,000 of them and then we we figured that many of them died <laughs> while uh, the firm was still in its infancy or in the first few years of its life and so we thought that could maybe give us insight into what happens and how important is the founder because if the firm does badly when the founder dies that tells us maybe that the founder is truly important to the survival of the firm yeah i think that's an interesting analogy that you draw uh and using the term conjoined twins i thought that was very interesting and then of course the analogy changes to mother and baby uh, but but i think that it's really important to have those word pictures to think through this so what i think what i what i think it sounds to me like what you guys did is that there was a hypothesis or this concept that are, are is a firm separate identity wise from the founder and and typically i think most people would think no it's probably not because the founder is the personality and the cult the driver of culture and everything that goes on in the business it usually reflects the founder and so your hypothesis it seems like it started out with well is that true and if it's true what happens when there is a separation when you take the conjoined twins and again i don't want to get too medical or, or descriptive but if you separate conjoined twins a lot of times there's it's not a positive outcome and uh it's but but what it should be is a mother and a baby where the baby grows up with its own independent life and and unfortunately so many entrepreneurs don't build build their businesses as a baby it is, as yeah. you said, a conjoined twin. So that's why you got started in this and you used Norway as the country to study because you had access to all those all 75,000 firms that started up where another country might be uh, a little bit daunting to pick out through the millions of firms that might have started up. But Norway is no slouch. It's a pretty, pretty big economy. Uh, so can you explain, you know, you remember the numbers? I mean, if you don't, don't worry about not knowing the numbers, but do you remember how big the economy is in Norway as, com as compared to, say, a state here in the United States? Yeah, so Norway, let's forget about the physical size, but uh, GDP, so income per capita, it's roughly uh, at the level of Texas. And in terms of population, it's round about 5.5 uh, million, which is similar to uh, Minnesota. So it, it does compare to some extent to some of the US states in size and GDP. So part of your study, uh, I mean, you chose Norway, you've got 75,000 companies that you're looking at, 1,500 of those entrepreneurs um, experienced that had a death, you know, during the first several years of the startup's existence. And so what you were able to do is to take the statistical data of the growth or the decline of that business after the death event of the founder. That's, is, that a, is that a correct synopsis of what the study does? Yeah, that's correct. So we were able to get uh, data on the balance sheets that these firms have to submit to the Norwegian tax authorities. So that is the official data they have to report and they are bound by law not to lie. So we, we, we have the, the numbers that are as official as it gets. 
So you've got not only 75,000 firms, you also have the balance sheets of all those firms over those years. Of course, uh, personal data redacted. So you're not looking at, at the type of firm or the who, who did what, but you're just looking at raw data. And then what you were what you were asking is if entrepreneurs personally embed a major part of the value of the firm. And if so, it's going to be difficult to value uh, the firm to outside investors. If they are the value to the firm. I, I love this. You actually quoted Hart and more from 1994. And, and I'll read the, I'll read the quote from the, from the actual study. It says, if entrepreneurs personally embed a major part of the value of the firm, it will be difficult to pledge the value of the firm to outside investors which could lead to credit constraints and underinvestment in entrepreneurial firms. And the way I under read that, the way I understand that, uh, Sasha, is that if the entrepreneur is 100% the conjoined twin, that not only does that harm the business in the event of his, uh, his or her passing, but it also limits their, while they're alive, the ability to get credit, the ability to have investors come in because the investors and the bankers are going to see well, this business is really you. And if you pass away, there's a huge risk that we might not be able to over to, to compensate for. Is that, is that what that, is that why you wrote that into the study and quoted that? Yeah, exactly. That's essentially what it is. So, so I, you go on to say uh, in that, that next sentence in your study, the, the, the extent to which entrepreneurs are non-substitutable is largely an unexplored question. That really is what I think uh, struck my interest in this is that I, I say this a lot. I say this a lot when I speak is that as an employee, you should be indispensable to your employer because that that's job security. But as an entrepreneur, you should create yourself to be dispensable and you use the term uh, substitutable or non-substitutable, same thing, right? I think entrepreneurs should create their businesses where they are substitutable. That makes their business more valuable. And it really, frankly, protects the employees in the event of their untimely death. Because I, I was meeting with one of my clients just the other day, very successful entrepreneur, had a business for 20 years. They're doing millions of dollars in revenue. And he absolutely loves being at the center of everything. And he's a good dude, very good guy. And I said, it's really selfish what you're doing. And he was like, what? I said, you know, because, but what happens to, what happens to the company if you go away, if something happens to you? And he had not really thought about that before. And that's why we're talking about your study. So let me ask you this. So you did this study um, in Norway, 75,000 companies, 1500 deaths. Uh, you did this over 15 years. So this is not a snapshot in time. How important is it as a researcher and economist to have 15 years worth of data versus a sample size much smaller than over a shorter period of time. Tell the listeners how important that, that time period is. So why it is important is because we can follow all these firms from day one. Yeah? So we are not entering uh, the game when they are all five years old and we don't know what happened in the five years before, but we have their balance sheets from the day they were founded. So we can really also see how they develop in the first years before the founder death. And I should also say that throughout, we compare the firms where a founder dies to the ones where no founder dies. So we, we draw inference or we get information from this direct comparison of firms that are very similar to each other because you might have two firms, uh, both in IT, uh, both with a founder of the same age, with the same education and so on and so on. But one of them has a car accident and the other has it. Yeah? And that's the kind of comparison we have that allows us to say what happens when a founder dies. So 
being able to trace the firm's development over many years, and then also after founder death, does the firm survive itself, or does it go out of business with the founder death? We can follow the firms afterwards, and in parallel, we look at all these firms where no founder dies. And for that, we need a lot of years of data, because otherwise, maybe we observe some effect in the year after founder death, and then the study ends, so to say, but in reality, the firm bounces back. That's what we expected initially, that maybe founder death creates turbulence. Yeah? The firm suddenly is in trouble because the mastermind is gone. But then once the guy gets replaced, then the firm bounces back. That could have happened, but we find that that is not the case, but that the negative effects of founder death are protracted over time. So that that is a point that I want to make. Uh, I want want to make very clear because that was one of the surprising things that we see. So you did a 15 year study. You're able to follow firms from startup all the way to 15 years of age or 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 their demise before the 15 years. Um, but what you would have expected, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably think this too, and they put in insurance policies and key man policies and succession plans that say, well, we'll bring in someone else. But they're they're woefully inadequate because, as you saw in the study, that even even after they were able to bring in another CEO or someone else to come in and take over the business, it never really recovered. As a matter of fact, one of the statistics that you gave in the studies found that the negative effect on sales when the entrepreneur dies is a sixty percent reduction in sales. And not only is it a it's not just an, a, a short reduction; it is a persistent reduction that seems significant to me as an entrepreneur myself. What did you guys think when you uncovered that? Yeah, we obviously, uh, we, we tortured the data to see whether that's really right or whether we somehow miscalculated stuff, but that's simply what it is. So um, all that suggests that founders are really a key uh, to the firm's DNA and they are not easily replaceable at least when uh, they are taken out of business uh, at a sudden, uh, out of surprise. Yeah. So the, uh, you, you quoted a study um, done in the U.S. in 2019 that was a similar study, but not certainly with the same data or the same longevity. But uh, there was a study done by um, some, Smith, and there was the results in that study showed not only a 60% reduction or not only to corroborate the 60% reduction in sales that would be persistent after death, but they say that there was a drop in profits of about 53% following the business under death. And that was a U.S. study. Your study showed a 36% drop in profits after the death. So we've got, so I want to break that down because that's a lot of numbers. So for the, for the listeners, your study, Sasha, shows a 60% persistent decline in sales and a 36% decline in profit. That's significant. I mean, that's, a, that's over half of the sales and over a third of the profits. And the U.S. study that you cite um, on, in, your, in your research shows that a U.S. study showed a 53% drop in profits. That, I mean, that... I can't imagine losing 53% of my profits as, a, as an entrepreneur. I don't, I don't know how they survived at all with that. Was that what you expected or, or was there something different that you might've expected? Really hard to say beforehand. Um, I don't think I had a particular number in mind. I think I, I had 
the sense that the effects would be large, but whether it would be 60% drop in sales or 30%, I didn't really have a good guess beforehand. But that's just uh, what it turns out to be. Uh, I should say in that US study, that is quite different in terms of sample. Yeah? We have the universe of all um, founders. Many of these firms may be small, right? Whereas that US study is focusing more on high value entrepreneurs, people with a turnover of 1 million a year. So that's a slightly different sample. The numbers are not perfectly comparable, but still, uh, it's the same ballpark of estimates. Yeah, um, well. Shows it's not just that Norway is different, <laughs> but these effects seem to happen in many developed economies and uh, even in the US. Well, even even if your number is the the basement number, it's the bottom line, um, and, and fifty three being a lot higher than that. But at thirty six percent drop in profits, I mean, to take out a third, you know, take out a third of every dollar brought in in profitability for a company is um, is almost not sustainable. I I don't I think you know again this is an anecdotal uh, that I would see as a business coach and a business owner myself is that. The only way that you could survive that is because the entrepreneur who was probably taking that third home and pay is now no longer there to take the home, take it home and pay. So the rest of the business can live on, but you can't afford to bring in somebody to take over, which may be why when the new CEO comes in after the death of the founder, that it doesn't really recover because there's not enough cash to go around. Do you think that that might be the case or is there some other reason? Well, we try to look into all these different stories and uh, whether it's about cash flow and all that, but um, it seems to be really uh, related to um, the specialness of the founder. So what we also do, um, and maybe that's also interesting for your listeners, is um, we, since we had then some people comment on the study before we published it, who said, well, look, is it really the founder that is special or isn't it that in a small firm, whoever dies, some key worker, not the founder, uh, has a similar effect. So assume you have a manager installed and the manager dies, the CEO dies, um, doesn't that have the same effect as the founder does? So we also got hold of data on the death of CEOs in, in firms who are not founders themselves. And there the effects were substantially smaller. There is also a negative effect. So taking out any key person in a firm is a shock that the firm needs to deal with. But it seems you can replace the CEO, the manager CEO, more easily than the founder CEO. We're going to take a break from our show right now to bring you our sponsors. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Coming out of the study, you guys did, uh, as researchers and economists, you did a very good study and pulled together a lot of data. Based on that anecdotal and empirical data that you got, what, what insights did you walk away with from the study that, that I think listeners would probably be interested in hearing? Yeah. So the main finding that we already talked about, but let me restate it, is that uh, when founders die, firm performance uh, drops significantly. In many cases, especially among the smaller firms in in our sample, um, these firms go out of business completely. And among the larger firms who maybe uh, have already gained more of an independent life from the founder, because there is so many workers around already and managers and different layers of responsibility, those firms see a significant drop in firm performance. So even if they survive as a firm, they do worse. And a uh, headline number that we have is that sales drop by 60% and that effect uh, is protracted over several years. But then the question is, why is that? And um, going back to what we discussed earlier, this uh, discussion in uh, economics about what even is a firm, we ask, has that to do with the entrepreneur being special or is it just turbulence? Is it simply whenever an important person in a firm dies, the firm is struggling. So what we do is to also pull up data on firms um, where a manager dies, CEO dies, who is not the founder, and see um, whether these effects are similar. And if they were, it would really just be that uh, if something bad happens to a firm, the firm struggles, and it's nothing to do with the founder. But we find that in those cases, um, the effects are much smaller. So it seems to be that the founder is really special. Then another thing that maybe your listeners would find interesting, and I definitely found interesting, is we also were able to get hold of the um, information in the death certificates of the founders. So we can see um, whether a founder died surprisingly, say a car accident, a sudden death, as we call it or whether the death might have been foreseeable. So assume someone has cancer, then the person knows that they might die in the near future. So it turns out that in cases where there is a sudden death, the effects we measure are are much uh, larger than in cases where death is somewhat foreseeable. So also that suggests that planning ahead or being able to plan ahead, you can soften the negative effects of the departure of the founder. So there's a lot of data there, a lot of evidence, a lot of insights. So I want to kind of break that down, if I may, and get you to make some comments, maybe based on what I'm, how I, how I uh, interpret all of that. So what I'm seeing is that um, if the founder is actively working in the firm, one of the things that your study showed was that if he is actively or she is actively working in the firm the, and involved in day-to-day business activities, the losses are, are higher than if the founder is not as active. So if you're very active and you're the centerpiece of the firm and you pass away, significant losses. If you're involved, but not as much, then the losses are lessened. So that was one of the things I think is very interesting, which is a lesson to entrepreneurs all over the world 
is that if you want your firm to outlast you and to be a legacy and to live on in the event of your passing or your attempt or desire to move out of the firm altogether, you've got to plan for that, which also, I think you're, Sasha, you pointed out that uh, when, they, when the death of the uh, founder was uh, expected, you know, so I, I say expected maybe loosely, but when there's cancer, there's a terminal illness and there's time to prepare for the transition, the firms suffer less loss than if it was sudden. So again, that goes back to a warning for entrepreneur founders today is that you've got to plan for that exit. You've got to get ready now, whether you want to exit or not, your ability, your, your, your company's ability to live beyond you is largely almost entirely dependent upon your ability to prepare everyone for that. So, um, so going back to my study, my, my story, rather, when I talked about my, one of my clients who doesn't want to exit, but you know, he, when I told him he was being selfish by not thinking about that, you know, that I'm not trying to be mean. It, it really, there's evidence to point out the fact that it is kind of selfish if you're not preparing for that. What did you see? Um, what did you see the difference between a family run firm versus partners who are not, um, who are not related to each other? Was there any difference in the outcome after the death? Yeah, that's also an interesting one. Um, so what we find is that in family firms, uh, also the negative effects of founder deaths are smaller than in non-family firms. So that suggests that there are more people around who probably uh, have either the same DNA, they do by definition, or they have the same vision for the firm and who can step in when the founder dies. And that seems to soften the negative effects. Whereas if um, it's a partnership firm, because I should also say that not all of these entrepreneurs are 100% owners, but some of them are in an 80, 20 or 50, 50 relationship with another founder. So it's about these partnerships we are now talking. If it's, it's a family member, the effects are smaller than if it's a non-family member. Very interesting. Very interesting. But I think that your point there about them sharing the DNA, like literally has a lot to do with that ability, but it's hard. I used to say a long time ago when I was running the day-to-day -day operations of one of my companies that I always, I thought I need to clone myself. And if I could clone myself, then things could go on without me and I could move away. And, 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 and your, your study reveals that if I had been able to do that, that might've worked, <laughs> that might've worked a little better. Well, what, what I want to do now is kind of as we close out our conversation on this study is give you the opportunity to speak to an audience full of entrepreneurs, their founders, their running companies. Based on this long, long study that you and Hans did on this effective death of, of founders in Norway, what advice would you give? What would you say to them based on what you know now after doing the study? How should they prepare their companies? Well, I guess what we already said a few times now is, uh, yeah, planning ahead is important um, to the extent that we used that analogy earlier on about uh, the firm being uh, the baby. Um, you, you want your baby to survive. And uh, if you don't prepare it for independence, then it may uh, go down the trains with yourself. Um, and I guess our results show that quite strongly. 
you use the uh, the baby analogy quite well, and I want to I want to kind of finish out by saying by reiterating that myself is that you you say in the study and when I asked you pre show about what advice you'd give, you said, well, if you care for your firm, you know nobody cares for the baby like the mother, and you can't exit day one. You have to be there in the early days. You've got to show the baby how to eat and how to how to laugh and how to have the appropriate emotions and how to crawl and then how to walk and then eventually how to run. And at some point you never pick your baby up again. And I don't think that we as parents think about that. There was a day when you picked your child up for the last time. Um, it's you, you didn't think about it when you did it, but it was, there was a time. So as entrepreneurs, we need to think about our, our companies in the same way is that we need to show them, we bring them into the world, the company into the world. We show them how to eat, which is to make sales and profitability. We show them how to have the right emotions, which is how you connect with their, with your com community and with your customers, your prospects, and your vendors. You show them how to crawl, which in other words, we're going to, we'll be small at first, show them how to run and you're making millions of dollars in revenue. And eventually if you've done it correctly, you've, you've picked your kid up for the last time you've set him down or her down and they should be able to walk and, and go on on their own. And I love that analogy, Sasha. I think that was very ingenious of you to come up with that as an analogy. And I think that entrepreneurs listening to the show today, even though this was a little bit out, off of center of normal, normal shows, but this is really good stuff. I'm so glad that you um, had the curiosity to do the study and that you guys had such good data to go on. And I hope that this would be a, uh, a warning and a cautionary tale to entrepreneurs who are holding their baby every single day. They're, they're running around doing all the stuff and they never let the kid down. They never let him walk on his own, never let him run on his own. You can't ever live that exit lifestyle. You can't exit without exiting until you figure out how to put the kid down. So Sasha, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Um, I love the data. And I would, I would say that if anybody wants a copy of this study to read it for themselves. It's not, I mean, it, it's a very consumable study. I mean, I read, I read pretty much the whole thing. I skipped over a lot of the tables, <laughs> but, but I, but I read the text and I think that people could find that where would be Sasha, where could people connect with you online, social media, et cetera. And then how could they get a copy of this? Um, what's the best format for that? Well, uh, you could share with your email list the link to the study. It's uh, free for download. Um, so uh, there is a PDF. You just click on it and there you go. So I will share this. I'll share this in the show notes. So if you get to our, my website, therootofallsuccess.com, on the show notes for this episode, we'll have a link to the download of the study. Uh, how would people connect with you? Is there a space online that they could connect and reach out to you? They can drop me an email. That's always the easiest. And yeah. what is that email? Um, yeah, I can also send it to you. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, yeah, we'll put it. We'll put it in because it may be hard to understand when we just read yeah. it out. So we'll put it in the show notes to reach out to Sasha, Dr. Sasha Becker. And you know what? You sent me a note today pre-show that uh, that there was a study um, uh, or not a study, but an article written today in the Finance Review. Is that right? That about your art about your study. And it was published on LinkedIn. Yeah, there's a blog post that summarizes things um, in a even shorter way than reading the whole study. Yeah, so that we can also share. And then yeah, your listeners can take whatever they like. Well, that's good because they can connect with you on LinkedIn and follow what's going on with that. So, 
Sasha, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an honor. And I know that uh, I hope that at the end of the day, the day that uh, that all of the technical stuff that you and I've been dealing with doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. But uh, if it if we did have a little hiccups here and there with the audio, uh, just uh, and I don't know, blame it on COVID. Everybody blames everything on COVID anyway, I guess. But I'm just kidding. But thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being here. And thank you for letting me talk to you because I know we didn't know each other. I just reached out to you cold and and uh, you came on the show, and uh, I, I'm very appreciative. So thank you for being yeah, on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, normally at this point, I would say there you have it, another very successful entrepreneur and his or her story about success. Well, that's not what we talked about today, as you clearly see. So what's the moral of all this? Why did I bring Dr. Sasha Becker onto the show to talk about the deaths of founder, founder uh, startup founders in Norway? Here's the thing. For those of you that follow any of my content on a regular basis, you know that I'm the exit guy. I, I teach people how to exit without exiting. I teach entrepreneurs how to live the exit lifestyle. And the reason I do it is because I was able to accomplish that and fulfill my passions and to be able to go on and build more companies and make more impact in the world. And I did it in a way that allowed my company to thrive in my absence. Now, that doesn't make me special or smarter. I just did it intentionally. And what Sasha and his team study, uh, discovered in this study is that when a founder exits the company, now he was studying when they exit by death, but when a founder exits the company, suddenly there's a significant, significant drop in the ability for that company to continue to live to the tune of 60% drop, persistent and permanent drop in, in, uh, in sales and as, as high as we studied in the, saw in the U.S. study, 53% drop in profitability. Now, you may say, well, that's fine. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not planning on dying. Well, nobody's planning on dying, but you, you might. But what if you decide one day you want to just exit the, the daily operations and you don't plan for it? Your company will not thrive. That's what this study proves is that you have to prepare for the inevitable uh, detachment of you as the founder from the company. I love what Sasha talked about, the, uh, the fact that many entrepreneurs build their businesses as a conjoined twin, and they, there's no separation between them and the business. And at some point, if there is a separation, whether by death or by voluntary separation, that the company you know, sometimes doesn't survive. He also uses the, used the analogy of a mother and the baby. And I think that's probably the best one is that you as the entrepreneur, as the founder, you have to make sure that you're letting your baby grow and learn to walk on his own. You've got to make sure that that baby, that child, your baby, the company can walk on its own. Because if you carry it around all the time because you're stronger, better, smarter, and you know more, it's never going to sustain that baby's life. It will always require you to be there to be its caretaker. And then in the event that you're not able to be there as a caretaker through sickness or death, your company suffers. So you really need to put this into perspective. Your desire as the entrepreneur to stay in the center of your business is selfish. You don't intend to be selfish. It's not a, it's not a willful selfishness, but nevertheless, the results are the same. Your desire to stay in the center of that business is selfish. Why? Because if you have any number of employees who depend upon your company to provide them income to support their families, imagine what would happen if the company's income dropped by 60% permanently. Would you be able to keep all those people employed? 
Would you be able to pay them bonuses? Would you be able to give them time off and benefits? The answer to that is almost assuredly no. But that's what, in fact, would happen if you were to leave unexpectedly through death or some other, some other long protracted illness. So don't be selfish. Learn how to exit. Learn how to get out of the way. And you don't have to exit the company. You don't have to sell it. But you, there is a way that you can prepare for it. And now I realize that a lot of you listening to this right now, you're going to think, well, this was totally self-serving. You're just trying to sell a course. Well, you can say that. And indeed, there is an ability for me to draw a direct connection between what I do every day and what we just talked about on the show. But I, I, there is a reason that I brought this up. My mission in life is to help people like you get the results that you want. And the results that you want, you want a thriving, growing business. And the reality is a thriving, growing business should be able to thrive and grow on its own without you at the center of the helm, carrying that baby everywhere it goes. So to that end, I designed something called the Exit Accelerator. And the Exit Accelerator is a 12-week live group coaching platform where I take entrepreneurs just like you through the, the four steps that I learned and I executed to exit without exiting to get out of the weeds, to let my company continue to thrive, even in my absence. Now, for me, I wanted to be completely disconnected from all daily operations, and I have been able to successfully do that. But for you, it might be, listen, I don't want to exit the daily operations. That's fine. But learning how to exit without exiting will allow you to disconnect yourself from the center of the business. You can still stay involved. You can still be in charge but you've got to let that baby walk on its own. If you're interested or curious at all about what Exit Without Exiting is and how to accomplish it, go to my website, exitwithoutexiting.com. That's exitwithoutexiting.com. And take a look at that Exit Accelerator. It's a cohort model. In other words, we get no more than 12 people and we stay together for those 12 weeks and we go through the curriculum, the course together. You're going to meet entrepreneurs from all over the world. And you're going to hear how they are dealing with how to extract themselves from the daily operations of their business so that it can survive on its own, even in your absence. Whether you want to exit at 100% and get out of the way, whether you want to sell it, whether you want to just kind of take a little bit of break from running the day to day, this course, the Exit Accelerator, will help you do that. It will absolutely change your life. Go to exitwithoutexiting.com and take a look at it. Now, I've got a special offer for you. If you are interested in doing that as a result of hearing my episode here with Dr. Sasha Becker, if you will just DM me the word Becker, because that's easier to spell uh, than the first name, so everybody can remember Becker. If you will just DM me the word Becker, I will give you $500 off the next cohort that you sign up for. So just DM me the word Becker. I'll know what that means. I'll reach back out to you and say, congratulations, you found the keyword and you can get $500 off the next Exit Accelerator. I'm the real Jason Duncan. That was Sasha Becker. We talked about what happens when entrepreneurs pass away and, and leave their businesses. And what we found out is that it's not good. Businesses suffer irreparable harm when the founder is at the center of the business. So I want you to tune in again next week. I'm going to talk with another very successful entrepreneur like I normally do. And we're going to talk about his or her journey to success. Today was a little interjection of some economic theory and some anecdotal and some empirical evidence based on a longitudinal study that I think you should pay attention to. I'm the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit 
therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.